0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Bears is having some severe Internet issues today, so he will not be joining us, but that's okay. We want to remind all of you that all of our shows, of course, are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com, and make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on what they have going on. Today we have a very, very exciting guest for the first time on the podcast ever. We have interviewed her for the magazine before via email, but we finally get to talk to – I'm finally get to talk to her and talk about her extensive uh, collection here of books, and it is none other than best-selling author Kay Hooper. So, Kay, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing?
1: I'm feeling very well, John. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, my wife, I have to say, is an avid reader. She's read everything from the beginning to the end. She's loved all of your stuff. She's come back and forth and and pretty much read everything. So it was really good to kind of get a little bit of insight from her because I've kind of jumped around from here and there and kind of caught your books and then when you kinda sit down and you realize you're like, you got this whole world that's coming together and you like to put these things like into trilogies. And with your latest book, you've now started a new trilogy called the Salem trilogy and the first book is called Hidden Salem. And it has the moniker of the special crimes unit novel. So tell us a little bit about what you got going on in this one
1: um well i'm i'm kind of challenging myself um one of the things that i've tried to do in this series one of the reasons that it's broken up into trilogies because each trilogy has a theme or a a similar tone or a similar set of characters. Um, So with each trilogy, I try to make it a little bit different. I I mean, I knew it was going to be a long-running series once I got started, and I didn't want the readers to, you know, open up each book and say, okay, you know, something bad's going to happen, and here comes the special crimes unit, and, you know, it's riding on their white horses and all that. So I wanted to make it a little bit different. So with this trilogy, the difference is that each of the three stories takes place in the same town. Um it's a as usual I have a I have a fondness for small mountain towns mm-hmm. in western North Carolina. So this is a small mountain town that's pretty different from some I've done before because it's a town that's been very isolated for like hundreds of years. Not totally isolated. They're not completely off the grid. They're just a remote, you know, geographically isolated and sure. because it's their choice socially to, to be fairly isolated. So it's a town that's Basically run by five members of five families. Five of the families that founded the town, and they basically run all the major businesses. And the town's it's a it's a very healthy town economically and socially. It's nothing. It's not a bad town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the five families they're and they're known as the five uh, capped. um they run the major businesses, and they make sure everything's taken care of, and it's it's a it's a very nice town. It's just some very creepy things start to happen.
0: <laughs> it's a nice uh, town, but bad things happen in it.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> as usual with one of my books.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: a nice little town. It's a shame what happens to it sometimes. Right. But, uh, yeah, so, so Hidden Salem begins. Um, I kind of drop you in the middle of it, and you find out there's a, an undercover agent with the special crimes unit, one of Bishop's people and um, she's there to try to find three missing people and they're people who um bishop knows or has gotten information that they were last seen leaving going to salem and they never came home they were supposed to just go for like an extended weekend but it was kind of mysterious and nobody really understood you know their friends really didn't understand why they were going and they never came back oh so, you know worried friends and family Um, kind of put the word out, but these were adults. Um, Kind of difficult to to put out a missing persons on an adult if they're healthy and they just drive off to go somewhere, you know. So uh, being bishop and being curious and also finding out a little bit about the town, um, he decides to send in an agent undercover, uh, sort of undercover. Well, undercover, but he he does have some legal authority there because somebody in the town, an authority has asked for his help. Um, so she's there to try to find out what happened to these missing people and the story opens with her um, telepathically um, getting a sense from a person a man she passes and he's totally panicked because he's found this horrible body up on the mountain when he was hunting so that's the way it opens she's heading up the mountain to see if finally you know she's had three missing people she's been there for two weeks she hasn't found a sign of them and she's you know thinking okay this is a Dead person? Is this one of my three missing people? Is this a fourth person? What's going on? And that's the way it starts.
0: And then we're off and running.
1: We're off and running, yeah, for this trilogy.
0: <laughs> now, <laughs> the, the the one thing, and you know, and and my co-host and I, we always kind of have this conversation because. I'm not a big series guy in the way of, I don't like open-ended series that just keep going. I kind of like them where they have, like, that ending, like a trilogy, mm-hmm. like uh, Harry Potter seven books or something like mm-hmm. that. And so w- this is why, like, when when you're saying trilogy, you're like, you kind of already had an idea, possibly, of, you know, what you are going to do in the three books, so you're going to have a nice beginning with a nice, good ending. Now, did you ever think about sometimes you know like a story like this that it could maybe possibly go beyond three books and you wanted to maybe do more or do you always kind of just kind of keep it right in that sweet zone of that trilogy
1: well one of the things about the the series as a whole is that each book is pretty much self-contained um i mm-hmm. i have recurring characters from the beginning of the series all the way through to the present and into the future, and um, they they pop up here and now, you know, in different books. Um, each each book tends to have its own set of characters, um, and there is a story for those characters and a story for that place and a mystery or you know a, a murder, or a series of murders, or a, a cult. There was a cult once, um, and that that gets resolved by the end of the trilogy almost always. I did have one and it was the cult idea that I thought I could wrap up in three books and thought I had. Mm-hmm. And then something else popped up in a couple of different books and other trilogies. And it took a little while longer than I expected to finish, to finish off that particular character.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, As one of the characters said, they keep, keep killing the guy and he won't stay dead. So um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's fun to do psychic stuff, but um, that, that, that happens, if it happens, it's not planned. It's like, you know, I thought I, thought I was done with him, and he popped back up. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes characters do that to me. It's, it's less about the plot than the character generally. The, the plot I tend to wrap up, you know, book by book. And in a trilogy, sometimes it's just a the theme. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the evil trilogy. You know, all, each book, I was kind of exploring the nature of evil, um, but there were three distinctly different stories um so the the keywords you know like evil like fear in this case like Salem it's also to tell the readers these these three belong together you know you don't necessarily have to read them in order it's I think it's better as a reader myself if you do um but I've also you know recommended specific books in the series if somebody was just getting started. I've said, "Well you, you know I know you, you might like this book or that book, and if you like that book, you'll like the rest of the series um, but in in most cases i have I have a kind of an overall plan. I think I know where I'm going to be in the third book when I start the first book, but I have to admit the Salem Trilogy's already thrown me a curve um mm. I, I thought I had a certain set of characters for the second book, and it turned out that uh, a lot of my, uh, well, not a lot, but six of my recurring characters just popped back up for the second book. And I thought, okay, that's going to be
0: interesting. That's going to be fun.
1: So, so I'm finding my way through that, and I'm finishing that one up now. So, um, And that one's a bit different. Um, but, you know, some of my recurring characters are very popular. I get a lot of email for some of them, of course, for Bishop and Miranda. People are asking about Miranda's younger sister, who was in one book and kind of disappeared because she's been, you know, in school and away and kind of protected by them. And Hollis. um, Hollis Templeton is probably the the fan favorite, uh, according to my email. And the interesting thing about her is she was meant to be a victim. Um, oh. she, she was introduced in the prologue of Touching Evil, and she was literally dragging her body out of a building. She had been just completely brutalized and hor- horribly, horribly. I mean, I thought she was dead. I honestly thought she was going to be. <laughs> she was going to be the victim. I, you know, I didn't. Even, I don't even know why I named her when I was reading that or writing that. Mm-hmm. And then something like a chapter or two later, she popped up and she's in the hospital. And I'm thinking, okay, she's she made it. Um made <laughs> This is this is interesting. And um in story time, you know, more than 3 years later, she's, you know, an active agent and she's got a very distinct personality and I mean even my agent read the first few pages of the the one I'm working on now and she's like, Hollis is back?" I yeah. She came back. Uh she got more to say apparently. So
0: now, I mean, I just, with I just, so just, many characters and such a vast world that you've created with the, you know, you have supernatural elements, and so many other things that you have going on, how do you kind of keep track of it all for yourself? I mean, you must either have Post-its or just a couple, just, I don't know, 700-page notepads that are just full of information for you to look up.
1: You know, I keep telling myself I'm going to develop a Bible um, that I can at least put on my website or something. That's kind I was going to uh, say,
0: you are a perfect candidate for someone to have a, you know, companion book for all mm-hmm. of them. I mean, Perfect. Yeah.
1: I and I've gotten requests from readers and even a, a, a couple of um writers have gotten in touch and said, you know, would you like this and I'm generally I'm saying, well, not quite yet. Let me let me keep working on this, but um I I have a lot of notes. Um I also uh sounds weird, but occasionally while I've been working on the the series, I've gone back and just reread the books myself. Um it's It's a good reminder there are a few things that i'll I'll read, and I'll think, oh crap, I missed that um because i you know I had a character that you know might have been tall in one book and medium height in the other, and that's not a big thing, but it's a thing that bugs me right so one one of the things I've started doing i started back with uh blood ties I think is I've started doing character bios for brief character bios for each of the major characters in the book and I'm, beginning, I'm saving all those to a separate file, and I'm beginning to get, like, a character bio for the entire series, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, at least it's the agents that I introduce and, you know, a, a little brief word about what each particular book is about, kind of a summary. And that's helping, and it's, it's helped over time developing the definitions um, of the different psychic abilities, including some I didn't know I was going to, you know, come across when I started this and um things like that plus a a kind of a timeline because people ask me you know is this happening in real time because the first books came out in 2000 and i was saying no it's i that that was one of my one of my complaints for one of a long running series i actually loved is that it, a book a year came out and each year the character got older and he didn't start out really young to start with so by the time, you know, I was reading quite a few books, and at one point I'm thinking, he should be collecting social security. He should not be, you know, taking after bad guys. So I didn't want that to happen. So, so basically, at first I started condensing, like, each trilogy took place in about a year. And now it's beginning to condense a little bit more. So actually, from the first book to the book that I'm in now, just maybe three and a half years or so have, have, um, or I should say for the third book, because, the third book in the series is the one that really introduced the Special Crimes Unit. So from that book to you know now it's only been you know about three three and a half years in story time, so that works out well.
0: Yeah, and that, and that's the thing you know story time is a little bit is a little bit different I guess you know than, than real time and you can always kind of have fun and, and play with those little things in there. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. like to see, it, like to see the playtime for the authors. That's kinda of like the playtime. I like kinda of call it like you know, it's like you get to kinda of go in there and just, just kinda of have a little fun with it. Especially especially in your books, because they are very, very character driven. Um, like yeah. you said, you know, I mean you're a very character driven author which is, you know, immensely immersing to, to a reader.
1: I and I'm glad about that. It's it's something I've always been as a reader. Um the the story the books, the stories the, um, the movies, TV shows, it, almost everything um, for me is about character. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it always has been. You can look back at the very first books I did and, you know, it, they might have been light romances, but they were very character driven. And I always loved that part. I, I always hate getting into a book and thinking, okay, I'm so tied up in the plot right now and I have no idea what this, why this character's here or, you know, uh, what this, how this, this story is going to affect this character, how this character is going to affect this story. So for me, it was always about characters. That, that's the part that fascinates me, the, the human mind, which is one reason, I guess, that I got into the psychic abilities and the SBI the agent, the, the whole hunting evil idea, um, because I, it it fascinates me that there are let's call them quiet heroes among us who okay, basically yeah. are, are beating back the dark constantly or, or, you know, they're committed to to punishing people or capturing people, let me put it that way, who are evil, who are bad, who do bad things, who hurt people. Um, and, you know, that's their commitment. And I, I feel very strongly about that. I feel very strongly about cops, about um, FBI agents and, you know, all the – all the 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 police as as law enforcement, you know. I think the rule of law is very important, and it helps make us a, a stronger society, a better society. So, you know, that's it's just it's having exploring that kind of character. You know, what kind of person are you if you can do this? Either because the puzzle fascinates you, or the a human mind fascinates you, because it fascinates me is, you know, how how especially abnormal minds. They're just
0: oh yeah. They're
1: they're kind of uncomfortably fascinating, yeah. but they are fascinating. So, you know, that's I've gotten plenty of opportunities in this series to really explore both the best and the worst of humanity, and I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, like you, or, you know, myself, I also started reading, and, you know, Agatha Christie was one of my first, and and that was kind of one of your first that you started reading. Yeah. Very much, and she's very character with plot, and that kind of brings all together, which of course is why she's so talented. I mean, you can, anybody can write a mystery and kind of just, you know, make some characters muddle along, and it's just not as interesting. So, like, with your books, when you have that plot element and that strong character element you put it together, that's why... Of course you been so popular for so for so long and that's why that you know your bishop books and things are able to to thrive a little more but what's your biggest challenge when you kind of sit down i mean because you know the you're kind of working off of the last book always to try to just make things better so do you ever think about those kinds of things is that a big challenge for you to say i want to try to do better than i did this or you know how's that thought process for you when you sit down to write a new book and starting a new trilogy
1: it's, it's always, it's you know, it's the same reason that uh, the Salem Trilogy is set in one town, which I've never done before. Um, th- that's always part of the challenge is to try to do something different and to do something better. Every time I sit down to do a book, I want it to be better than the do- book I did before. And with this series, what I first sit down to do is I decide on the keywords. And, um, you know, some of them, you know, out of the shadows um, – stealing shadows hiding in the shadows out of the shadows you know that started it and then i went from there to evil and from evil to fear and those are kind of the easy keywords where you're exploring something that's you know like i said evil fear you know and so on then it got a little tougher and you know i i did dark once and i did uh we did h words it was it was haven hostage and haunted um that kind of thing and once i set when I have, once I have the keyword, once, and I usually make a long list, and I still have the list. It's, I cross through words as I use them. But um, then I come up with titles. I, I have to have a title before I work on a book. Um, I know some writers don't. Um, I have a friend who drives me nuts because she doesn't care what they call her book. As long <laughs> as she, she just turns it in with her name on it. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. But I have to have a title. And the title very rarely changes from the working title um every once in a while, I get argued out of the title, but it doesn't happen very often and certainly not in recent years um But once I have a title, then I start to have a kind of a general what if kind of idea hmm. um I'm not somebody who outlines um I'll do a, a summary, like I did a summary of these three books uh, for contract purposes for this trilogy. And each book has a summary. Well, now I'm in book two, and it's nothing like a summary, because I sat down and started writing, and Hollis popped up. And I'm like, okay. And there comes she's organic. And yep. Yeah, she's, and I'm very much an organic writer, so I I follow my nose. I sit down, and usually there's a scene pops into my head. Somebody 's doing something, or you know somebody 's getting hurt or there 's a puzzle or whatever, and I just start writing, and different characters come up um, sometimes I decide i 'll think okay, because she 's here he 's going to come, and where's he going to pop up um, other times i 'm completely surprised i i just I just sit down and start writing and the beginning part of it is a little slower for me probably than for somebody who outlines because that's my outlining i'm as i as i write i'm getting a sense for the shape of the story and what it is i want to accomplish and usually by the way by the time i'm about a third of the way through um i'm feeling i I feel like i have a fix like a a navigational fix i I know okay this is this is what i'm doing Uh and here are the characters and here's the story and let's see what happens. I uh, just keep working.
0: Now, is there a subject matter that you won't go to, that that you won't touch? Uh, you know, what's kind of too far, uh, like pushing your boundaries with a with a plot line? Uh,
1: the the only thing really, and it doesn't it doesn't actually fit into the series. Um, I hinted, and I think it was one book that some SU members were like consulting uh, uh, on terrorist cases. The truth is I don't believe I could tell a story with a terrorist because I don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird. I can understand a serial killer. I mean, I can understand a, a broken mind, but I cannot understand how anybody can deliberately set out to destroy innocent people to prove some kind of ideological point. It just it makes no sense to me. It's like bullies. I don't understand bullies either. So okay. those, are, those are like the two mindsets that I just can't. I either can't, I can't get into it. Or I don't want to. It's like, it's like I, I, I kind of flinch away from those. So it's like, I doubt you're ever going to see me write a book that has a, any kind of a terrorist element. Um, other than like a sniper shooting down into a street, right. that I that I can do. But as far as actual terrorism, that's just not something I can deal with. But anything else is pretty much wide open.
0: You know, and I can see that because I, you know, your your books are, I guess, are a little bit more on a a personal kind of character level. Terrorism kind of means it's going to be more on a more of a globalish kind of thing. You have a lot more things involved with that, and and so I could see, I can see that that's probably why terrorism is not going to go that way either. You're not going to. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's more it's more like a it's a it's a faceless kind of thing. I mean, the terrorist the terrorist might be you know a person or a group or whatever trying to to prove a point. Going after a group. Yeah. Yeah, and I I want you to see the faces of the victims and the faces of the bad guys and the faces of the good guys and to learn about them. Um, even the bad the bad guys especially. Sometimes they're you know fascinating people. Other times they're they're repellent, but they're still you know you. It's sort of like the way a lot of us respond to a car accident or something. It's hard to keep your eyes away as you're going past. Um. And and you just you know it's like. It's like you're looking at the worst of something and thinking, but I'm okay. It's like being in a horror movie. I'm okay. Bad things are happening. I can yell. I can shake, but I'm okay. And right. now especially with everything that's going on in the oh, yeah. world, it's to have an escape and to, to be able to face bad things or look at bad things or examine bad things and still be safe be able to close the book. I, I have been told some people have to sleep with their lights <laughs> on after reading some of my stuff, but you know, it's it's still it's more like uh it's more like a scary movie or a haunted house or a roller coaster or something. You know, you get the, the thrill and the scare but you're okay. And everything comes out okay. That's another important part of my work is that I'm inherently optimistic and I like happy endings and that could be 20 years spent writing romances um, where Happily Ever After was just what, you know, you had. That was part of the, I don't want to say formula, but there is a formula to romances and that, you know, that was part of it. You had a happy ending, but me as a reader and as a person, I've always loved happy endings. It doesn't have to be, you know, sackery, uh, sugary, you know, this is the way everything's all tied up neatly, but it, it has to be optimistic. You have to get the feeling that that the good guys want another one and, you know, that the world's a little better because they did. And um or the yeah. the couples, the couples together and things are going to work out for them. It may not be, they may not be headed for the, you know, wedding chapel right away, but things are going to work out for them. So, and they work, you know, you believe that they make a good team and that's important too in this series.
0: Now, the best place for everyone to find out about all the work is your website, right? Just khooper.com?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I keep saying I'm in the process of updating it. I am um, <laughs> to try to bring to try to bring Everything is
0: yeah, yeah, pretty good in
1: there. I like it's it. pretty current. It's, it's, I've yeah. got to get in touch with my webmaster, actually, this or webmistress this week because there's some updates I want to put on there. And I do eventually want to put a Bible on there about the Special Crimes Unit. Um, because I do get a lot of questions and yeah. possibly even do some short, you know, essays or articles or whatever, you know, just for the website to to draw people there. But I also have a Facebook page. Um, I have a, an author page if nobody wants to get involved with, you know, my opinions or my politics or any of that stuff that's <laughs> on my personal page. You can just go to my author page, and that's purely about the books and the series and, you know, answering fan questions and that kind of thing. So easy to
0: find. And so Facebook is the one that you're on pretty much the most for people to interact with you.
1: Yeah, if, if they want to interact the most, my first—if pers- you, you can stand my opinions—my um, uh, my personal Facebook page, and uh, I don't have my picture's not there as my avatar. Um, the the spe- most special dog in my life, Bandit. He's oh, my okay. avatar on my on my space on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. And that's the one where I I post memes and I post opinions and I repost things that other people have said that I agree with, which, you know, right now there's kind of some dark stuff, but occasionally I post something funny just to to lighten it up. Um, But I have a lot of writer friends um, that are part of my Facebook group. So it's one of the things I really like about social media. It's it's not true across the board, but I think one of the, the good things about it is more people are writing. And they're writing out their thoughts. They're expressing themselves in words. And for a while there, we didn't really have that. And I i mean, I'll correct somebody on my if they post on my Facebook page and they try to use text speak. I'm like, don't do that. It's like a dagger in my heart to not spell things out and say what you mean and not abbreviate everything. Um, but people are, you know, if you read through the social media, there are a lot of very articulate um, people expressing themselves, you know, very clearly, and and I like that. So you're well, you're liable to see a long posts from me, not so many short ones, although I'm trying. You um, know. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, it's, yeah. Get it out. Whatever. How many? I always tell people like if they want to write an article for the magazine or this and that, like, well, how many words do you want? And I'm like, I want it until it's done, until you have, until you have. Looked at this thing and said, "This is the message, or this is what I want." And it's finished. Then that's how many words I want. <laughs> that's the way writers, I want.
1: It. Writers must want to kiss your feet because that's yes, yeah. you know, that's, that's yeah, what we love. Because to I always
0: feel like, if, well, you know, it's like, well, if I tell you a thousand words, then you might not land on what you want to land on. It might not be how you really want it. and you might start, you know, you might feel a little when you're getting down to the end, like, oh God, you know, I only got two hundred words left, but I still want to get into this. So I'm always like. You tell me when it's finished because it's your article and you so you do it that way. Because I have unlimited space. I'm a digital magazine, you know, we're digital. We can we can kind of put it out a five thousand word article if you know, if anybody want, if they want to write it as long as it's, you know, whatever topic and this and that. So yeah. I just like to know that you're expressing yourself and that you're like, I got it. That's what I did. That's
1: that's very cool. That's like music to a writer's ears, especially a novelist. I right. did I did something like three no, four. I think I did four novellas. The hardest things I ever wrote in my life because I was limited to about twenty and twenty five thousand words. Right. And the the first one was the hardest. The, the last one I did, the fourth one I did was the easiest because by then I kind of I kinda of did this idea. mental adjustment. It's kinda of like changing gears of going, Okay, this one's short. I've only got, you know, these four sections and I've got to do this and this and this. And um thankfully that story lent itself to a shorter format anyway, but um that, that's very, very difficult, and I mean, I started with series romances, and series romances, um, you had around 200 manuscript pages roughly, depending on, you know, what, you know, type place, what fonts you were using and, and everything else, but um, that taught me um, to be able to write fairly clearly and to not, you know, wander down this tangent or that tangent, you know, every everything had to kind of count. Uh-huh. And that was kind of, that was my apprenticeship in writing. Um, I was lucky because when I sold my first book and then started to do the contemporaries, the door was swinging wide open with series romances. I was, you know, Silo- Harlequin was there, and Silhouette came on board, and Bantam was doing their, at that time they were doing their love sweeps, and, and Berkeley was doing Second Chance at Love, and everybody was doing like a romance line. And they had to have usually from four to six or more books a month. They were sold like magazines. So they desperately needed content and this was before the internet i'm aging myself but it was before the internet and so i i was able to write and learn to write quickly to satisfy that demand and also to support myself because there wasn't a lot of money in romance and Your shelf life was very short. Um, The books would come out probably two to three weeks; they were gone because the next month's selection would come in, and that's when that's when used bookstores started to really flourish and all that, and book clubs, and um, it was it was a really good solid foundation to learn how to write, to learn how to tell a story within certain parameters, within a certain set of rules. Um, And I explored those. I was always pushing the boundary. You know, I had more than one editor say to me, you can't do that in a romance. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but let me see if I can. Let me try. Let me." I remember calling one editor, bless her, she's not in the business anymore, but um, I remember calling her and saying, can I write a ghost story? And there was this pause on the other end of the line. And then she said, as long as the hero and heroine are alive. And I said, okay. And I did. <laughs> and it was one of my more popular romances. Um And I had a lot of fun with it. And that that was uh, one of those forays into the paranormal that if you look back, all the way back to my first book, they're, they're not only mystery and suspense elements, there's almost always right. some kind of a mystery, but, there were paranormal elements here and there just i just suddenly i remember turning one in at second chance and the editor hadn't seen any of it i was just i was turning in the the draft and i said i think you're going to turn this down and she nearly had a heart attack like what what because by that point they were they were scheduling me before i turned things in because i was dependable and you know i was selling well and all that Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew I already had a slot, like X number of months ahead, and she's going into panic mode thinking, oh, my God, what's she sending me? And it was just about a family of kind of screwy psychics and a man who happened to wander into their lives. And it turned out, again, to be one of my one of the fan favorites of the books. And she loved it. She called me, like, the next day and said, don't ever give me a heart attack like that again. It's wonderful. It's in production. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I can, I can keep pushing the envelope. I can keep taking chances.
0: Yeah, you, say, hey, the you know fun- what? Trust me, I, I know what I'm doing here. I got it. And
1: that kind of that's that's what I say now. I mean, now I have trust me. The, I got gotcha. The background, yeah. And I even say to myself because there's always a point in the book, every single book I've written, and it's well up over eighty now. Um, yeah. I every single book, there comes a point where I think. I, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to end this. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been fooling everybody for a long, long time. <laughs> and now they're going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like this, this momentary panic. And I've learned. I used to, when I first started, I would pace. I would, you know, I would drive people crazy by talking a mile a minute. It was like trying to get out of my own head. And now I've just learned to take a breath and go, okay, this is usual. You know, Turn, the, turn off the thing, to get out of the computer, go, you know, walk the dogs or play with cats or watch right. something, you know, fun on TV and come back to it tomorrow. And I come back to it tomorrow and it's fine. I know what I'm doing. So, you know, and I remind myself, you've done this before. You've never not re- written anything that you couldn't, you know, that didn't work. So mm-hmm. trust yourself. Exactly. And I still have to remind myself. I still have to remind myself. It's it's kind of weird, but it's you know it's my world.
0: So, it, and that's right. And we're just we're just all players in your game. That's all we are. I love we're that. Just-
1: I love that they're. I love that they're people that that enjoy my game, enjoy my world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the fan mail or uh, reader mail that I get. It, that's those are the ones that really please me. The ones that say. You know, I, I was having a bad time and your books took me out of it or they were like, you know, I read your book last night and it was just like the the perfect end of the day or, or just, you scared the hell out of me. What are you doing?
0: Right. So, Those are the and, fun ones. You yeah. kept me up all night. There
1: you go. Well, well, there were some of them like, you kept me up and my husband. My husband said to tell you you kept him up too because <laughs> I wouldn't turn the light off. So, you know, there's there's that and there's... um. There's just the the, peop, the fact that the readers love these characters, like you said. Uh, you know, all my mm-hmm. books are character-driven. Sure. So they'll ask me questions, you know, what's Hollis doing? What's, are we going to say Bonnie again? And is she still with Seth? And, you know, how's uh, are we going to see Miranda and Bishop actually out in the field again? You know, that kind of thing. And I like that. I, I just like that feeling of these are real people. And mm-hmm. to me they're real. If somebody says, okay, you know, what's – What's up with Riley and Ash, you know, back from from sleeping with fear. How are they doing? And I can tell them. Cuz I know what's been going on with them off stage just kind of in the back of my mind. So there are a lot of people in my head right now. Um,
0: yeah. You got
1: a lot, lot of, of voices. Pretty, a lot of voices like yeah, I have one of those uh, keychains um and it's act, uh, one of those uh keychain little signs and actually it's on my keys now and it says I hear voices and they don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a T-shirt that says that too. That's a good one. But yeah,
0: that's that, a good one. That,
1: and that's you know pretty much the way it is. It's just I have I have people in my head that talk to me, and and uh, right. you know they don't interfere with my normal life. But when I sit down and start listening to them, a book happens, and that's always that's fun. That's very rewarding.
0: Well, Kay, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure to finally speak with you and to talk about, again, the book is called Hidden Salem. It is out on April 7th, so people, when they're listening to this interview, they'll be able to go buy the book. Uh, and it's the first in your latest trilogy uh, that you're going to call the Salem Trilogy. So thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, John. It was a real pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Well, you have a good one, and we will talk with you soon. Good luck.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: And stay safe. safe. Yeah.